0: visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: The more you can drill down your why, down to this specific type of property, this specific type of financing, you can become very confident when talking to bankers, when talking to the sellers or brokers. And ultimately, it helps you to be very confident at the end of the day signing the paperwork.
2: Best ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, guess what, my friends? Today's Best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with, well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are, because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips how to optimize the profits on those flips, and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out. FundThatFlip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. You're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals. FunThatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all that fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And this is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's right. And we wouldn't be the longest running if we didn't have incredible guests with incredible backgrounds like we do today. First, I'll introduce him. How you doing, Joel Florick?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: I am excited to dive in with you because here's the deal, best ever listeners. Listen to this. He, Joel is 23 years old. At the age of 22, so last year, he bought a fourplex. And then nine months later, he bought 16 units with only $5,000 down. You better believe we're going to dig into the numbers and how he was able to do that on this call. He's the owner of JF Holdings, and that is a commercial real estate management company. His goal is to do 150 doors by the ripe old age of 26 years old. He began flipping houses with his parents as a kid to pay his brother's hockey bills, And he's based in Iron Mountain, Michigan. Lots of firsts on this show with this interview. One of them is Iron Mountain, Michigan. I've never interviewed someone from there. With that being said, Joel, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Yeah. So my background, as you kind of mentioned, grew up remodeling homes with my family. My brother from an early age, he was heavily involved in travel hockey and I was in sports as well, but you know, came from a lower income family. And my parents, like many people, had to grind and do what they could to be able to make things work. So we typically moved every year or every other year. And for the most part, it was my dad and I remodeling homes. And every time they flipped a house, they'd make a little bit of cash. We'd be able to move into a slightly larger, nicer home. And over the years, we've flipped about 15 homes while living in them. And on the hockey note, my brother did end up making it at the NHL, made his debut at the Boston Bruins. So family affair, you know, helped to see his success. And I've taken that real estate passion and continued it in my life. So in college, I ended up working with my parents and we ended up purchasing a small house, renovated that, rented out the other rooms. So that way I could pay my living expenses and uh, out of college, I decided that with my job, I wanted to continue to do real estate. And for a number of different reasons, which I can get into later, I decided that multifamily investing was where I wanted to be. So ended up being able to buy a four-unit property, renovated that, and of course, I got that 16-unit deal. And moving forward, it's continuing on to secure other larger multifamily properties I'm looking at properties, ideally, of 20 units and more.
2: Walk us through the numbers on the fourplex, will you? So
1: with the four-unit property, I purchased it for $125,000. It's two two two-bedroom units and two one-bedroom units. I was very fortunate that my parents believed in my ability to be able to make this work. They know that I understand remodeling, they understand that I'm good with finances, I graduated with a degree in finance. So the property only had one tenant in it when I originally bought it, but it had very good structural bones, large units, all about a 1000 square feet. So I ended up needing to renovate one of the units, I moved into one of them. And there was actually a tenant that moved in just as uh, I closed on the property. So like I said, purchased it for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. My parents provided a loan at eight percent interest, amortized at twenty years, and then I secured a commercial loan from a local bank for the remaining piece. How much oh, was the remaining piece? One hundred thousand dollars.
2: Okay, so they gave you twenty-five k, and you had to get a commercial loan for the rest, a hundred.
1: Correct. And then for the renovations, I ended up using the money from my day job to actually go in and renovate in cash. I could have gone and borrowed that, but because I had money coming in, I didn't want to leverage up more than I already had. So at the end of the day, where I'm at with that property is the two-bedroom units. One of them I'm living in, I get 685 per month for my other two-bed that I renovated, and my one-bedrooms average out to 500 a month.
2: Okay, do that math for me real quick. What's the total rent coming in? If I
1: wasn't living here, basically I'd be right around $2300.
2: 2300, but you are so we'll subtract what was it? 685, is that what you said?
1: This unit would probably rent for 650 that I meant.
2: 650. Okay. Right now, 1650 roughly is what you're bringing in plus you're living in one of the units. What's your mortgage all in?
1: All the expenses throughout the year average out to about $1,500 a month.
2: Awesome. Live and rent free. Live
1: and rent free, exactly.
2: What's your plan to uh, pay back your parents to twenty five k at
1: 8%? At this time, I am not running out to try and pay them back. The property can securely be able to cover that expense. So as opposed to running out and trying to refinance and save a few percentage points, they are my parents, so I don't mind seeing it, helping them out in that way. And it allows me then to focus my efforts on raising money for a potential future deal.
2: What were the terms of the commercial loan?
1: The commercial loan, I got a 20-year amortization, only a three-year balloon. That's something I don't want to do again, but given it was my first deal, I accepted it, and then a 5.25% interest
2: rate. Okay, what are your plans after three years? It'll end up being a refinance
1: situation, and given the renovations, I'll have additional equity built into the property.
2: So how much are you putting in in total?
1: In total I expect to put between twelve and fifteen thousand. I'm about halfway through that.
2: Okay. Cool. And what do you think it is the after repair value once all said and done?
1: About a hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
2: Okay. So you would be into it for a hundred and forty and you're saying the ARV would be a hundred and fifty? Correct.
1: But the goal is not to flip it. The goal is to hang on to these properties over the long term and to provide myself with monthly income. Ultimately,
2: I'm in it for the cash flow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Where'd you get the commercial loan? I keep saying commercial because you mentioned commercial, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's a four unit, so that's residential. So help me understand that.
1: You can, with a four unit, go get a residential loan. However, understanding that I wanted to get into larger properties, I decided that I would sacrifice a little on the cash flow side to develop a relationship with the commercial lending department at a local bank. So this is a local bank that allows for more creative financing structures in deals. So by starting with a four unit, I laid out a clear plan to them as to what I was going to go do. And over the following six months after purchasing the property, I executed that plan and actually exceeded it in a few areas. So ultimately, when I ended up finding the 16-unit deal, I was able to go back to those same bankers who I had an established relationship with, and they were extremely excited to move forward on another deal with me. So again, I sacrificed a little cash flow to do a commercial loan as opposed to a residential loan, and in turn, that allowed me to be able to secure a significantly larger deal that is a phenomenal cash flow property for me right now.
2: What's the name of the bank again?
1: It's First National Bank and Trust, local only in the Iron Mountain area. Okay.
2: Let's talk about the 16 unit. Good segue. Right. What are the numbers and how'd you find it? All that good stuff.
1: I actually found the lead for my carpet installer during the renovations on one of the units in my four unit building. And it was a situation where the seller, there was a partnership. They had built the property in 1993. 16 units, all two bedrooms. It's right on a lake. Everyone has a carport. Great amenities that people are looking for in this area. So the original owners who built it, looking to retire, one had already moved onto his boat in the Caribbean and they're asking $700,000 for the property, the NOI is right around $70,000. So priced at a 10 cap, but given that we are in a smaller market, there's only about 15,000 people in this area. So you don't have the competition that you would have in a larger market. So most of the people here are running out and buying single-family homes or duplexes or triplexes. So seeing a 16-unit come available, for most people, that was a really uncomfortable thing to attempt to go after. Mm -hmm. So there were a few other people interested in the property, and ultimately, I reached out to the owners. There were no brokers or real estate agents involved. It was off-the-market listing.
2: How'd you get the owner's info? I
1: got it from Carpet Installer. It was a referral from him because the installer had done work at that property as well. So I reached out and I started to build a relationship, say, hey, you know, here's where I'm at. And completely honest too. I never want to mislead people about my capabilities as an investor. So I made clear that as a younger investor, I owned a four unit property. I want to grow. And we started to work through. Understanding a little bit more about the property, a little bit more about the numbers. And I started reaching out to investors to try to bring someone in as a partner or to be able to provide a second position loan for me to be able to close the deal. But ultimately, being fully leveraged, the numbers weren't great if I were to purchase at $700,000. So there was a lot of creative financing that needed to be figured out for this deal to actually be able to close and come through. And ultimately, I will say I struggled a lot with trying to convince investors that I was someone who was credible enough, who could do this deal and manage the property after purchasing it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Agreed. There's a lot of different things that I'm sure they had objections with. Please continue.
1: Ultimately, with the property, what we ended up doing is I got to the point where I had a detailed financial plan of the property. I had a management plan for what I was going to do with the property. I had investors who struggled with the idea of investing, and I had lined up two different banks, the bank who I was already working with and the bank who currently had the loan on the property. And I actually got both the banks behind me on providing a loan for the property, given I could come up with 20% of the purchase price on the property. And after I had a number of investors, you know, finally say, no, I'm sorry, we can't do this with you. I had to go back to the seller.
2: Who are you reaching out to? You say investors.
1: It was a combination of investors who I had met with through my network of friends of family members or some of my friends that invest in properties work with. And then also investor groups that I met through bigger pockets with. So for anyone who doesn't know, bigger pockets, online real estate, investors network, phenomenal place to meet other professionals in the industry. So I met a lot of people through bigger pockets and started to talk to them. And again, it was hard to get anyone to bite given that I'm in such a small market without knowing it well. They were all concerned for that and my age and lack of experience only having a four unit for six months at that particular
2: time. So they all said no.
1: So they all said no. Went back to
2: the seller. What was the pitch to them as far as projected returns and the exit and projected exit, all that stuff?
1: Well, it depended on who I was talking to. So each investor had different goals as to what they were looking for. And what I really needed to find was somebody who just wanted mailbox money and who was willing to sit on it. But with that being said, I would have also needed to negotiate down the purchase price more than what I think the sellers would have been willing to do. So from my standpoint, the margins would have been extremely slim if I would have secured some sort of private investment at 8% and tried to move forward with the deal ultimately ended up working with the seller. And I just came forward and was extremely honest with them and said, hey, here's what I've done. I've got the banks behind me. I haven't been able to secure any sort of private investment to be able to meet the terms that the banks want. So at this time, I can't
2: move forward. Did you have it under contract?
1: No, I did not have it under contract.
2: contract. Okay. And how much you needed 20% of 700? Correct. If
1: that's the price that I was going to go in at. but With the way the numbers were looking, if I went in at $700,000, it was a much higher risk property, given that I would have had to loan that second mortgage somewhere around 8%. So the margins would have been extremely slim for me. So I would have had to negotiate that price down from there.
2: But as it stands with the 20% at 700, you would have had to bring 140, not to mention closing costs and operating budgets and all that good stuff, contingency fund. Correct. Okay. Cool. So close to probably like a two hundred thousand dollar raise. And if you lower the purchase price then probably around 180000 hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty, assuming that you lowered it a, a decent amount.
1: Correct. I certainly could have brought in other private investment and it, it would have been a more attractive opportunity.
0: Okay. Um
1: it ended up working out where I didn't need to do that. And I just kind of laid it all out on the table and told the sellers my situation and that I couldn't move forward on a deal until I found someone who could back me with some money. They said, give us a week and we'll give you a call back. And it was kind of a surprising response since from the very beginning they were adamant about not offering any sort of seller financed option. So a week later ended up getting a call and they offered me a seller finance deal for the 20% that I needed down so it ended up being a great situation where, again, I only needed to bring in another five thousand dollars to the deal of my own cash.
2: What do you mean another? Was there money well, already?
1: the The way that it worked is it was a purchase price. We ended up negotiating back and forth a little bit to be able to hit a purchase price of six eighty five. and the sellers ended up offering. $110,000 and we negotiated the terms down to a 10-year amortization but a 2% interest rate because the goal was for me to be able to pay down debt faster so that I could get in a more financially secure position on the property. So the bank I got 550,000 from them and then I ended up being responsible for $25,000. But given closed on the the first of March of this year. And what we ended up doing is there was a proration for rent as well as a proration for taxes. And then we rolled in the closing costs into the loan, which I negotiated with the banks because I had two banks competing. I negotiated the terms for closing costs all the way down to, I think it was only about $3,500 of total closing costs. So I was responsible for $12,000, and I got a personal loan for 7000 bucks. So I only brought $5,000 of my own cash to the table to be able to bring in that 20% that I needed.
2: Well, who'd you get the loan from?
1: The personal loan I ended up getting from Wells Fargo.
2: Oh, really? It was from a bank? Correct. Hmm. What interest rate was that?
1: It's not a preferable interest rate. It's around 12.5%. On five years, but I do have a pretty good day job. So I'm at the point where tomorrow I'm probably going to be paying off the remaining balance on that loan already, just from the money I've made for my day job. What's your day so, job? I'm a program manager for uh, an engineering company in the maritime industry.
2: Wow. What a deal.
1: Ultimately over the past four months, my financial projections We're all based off of conservative estimates. So basically, on that $5,000 of my own money I put down, I'm cash flowing $2,000 a month off the property, as well as paying additional $2,000 in equity each month off the property. So it's really created a situation where at a young age, I'm able to have a rapid wealth building for myself. And ultimately, it's time to go find the next deal. So I'm excited to see opportunities moving forward.
2: Awesome. Well, both of those stories are phenomenal. What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Know your why. So why do you want to get into real estate in the first place as opposed to some other business? Why a particular type of investing? The more you can drill down your why down to this specific type of property, this specific type of financing, you can become very confident when talking to bankers, when talking to the sellers or brokers, and ultimately it helps you to be very confident at the end of the day signing the paperwork.
2: Ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a wholesaler or wanting the wholesale, then you've got to check out this video. It's at wholesalinginc.com. It's a interview that Tom Kroll, and if you recognize Tom's name, well, that's because he was a guest on episode 395. He has documented his conversation with a motivated seller. So you hear from when he gets out of his car all the way to the very end when he's talking to the neighbors about different houses on the street. If you're into wholesaling or want to get into wholesaling, go listen to it. Go to wholesalinginc.com and go check that out. Best ever book you've read?
1: The best ever book I've read, Start Something That Matters.
2: Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it?
1: In college, I started out trying to get into a startup and we did a lot of business competitions, had a lot of hype and success, but never won and it never went anywhere. And the reason was because we didn't make tangible progress towards our goal. So always make sure that you're making tangible progress, not just creating hype, a thought, or idea.
2: Best ever deal you've done. Which one of those?
1: Definitely the 16 unit.
2: I agree. Best ever way you like to give back.
1: The way I like to give back is trying to provide inspiration as well as education to try and help people to pursue the goals that ultimately they want to achieve, whether that's real estate or whether that's sailing. I love helping to teach people sail and and get into that sport.
2: What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Uh,
1: Too laborious of renovations and features that are not needed for your particular market. Spent about $1,500 more on my first unit that I renovated and took me two months longer than it should have because I did way too much tile, put in granite countertops. It was a big mistake and it's not needed for this market.
2: What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you?
1: You can reach me at Bigger Pockets or LinkedIn, Joel Flork, as well as shoot me an email, joelflork at gmail.com.
2: Joel, I love these stories. (laughs) I enjoyed this so much. Thank you for being on the show and talking about how you got into your fourplex. You got into the 16 unit and you did it in such creative ways and resourceful ways to make those happen from borrowing from your parents initially to now on the 16 unit, getting the loan for Wells Fargo and as well as doing the seller financing stuff. And you're playing at a different level that most 30 year olds are playing, let alone 23 year old. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. If you're a wholesaler or wanting the wholesale, then you've got to check out this video. It's at wholesalinginc.com. It's a interview that Tom Kroll, and if you recognize Tom's name, well, that's because he was a guest on episode 395. He has documented his conversation with a motivated seller so you hear from when he gets out of his car all the way to the very end when he's talking to the neighbors about different houses on the street if you're into wholesaling or want to get into wholesaling go listen to it go to wholesalinginc.com and go check that out